Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So as we transition into the message part of the service, I'm letting some of you know if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, you kind of came on a great Sunday. I'm not actually speaking. Um, It's easier for me to make the joke than somebody else to make it to you later, so it's just easier. No, I wish we could, but this morning what we're doing is um, in January, the end of January, we went to the Dominican Republic and... We took a missions trip down there, and so this morning we are actually going to report on what we've done there and what was going, still going on there, and let you know how it's impacted some of our lives. And so I'm going to invite Conroy to come up, and he's going to take the lead and share this morning, and then I will share later. Um, but can you welcome Conroy? God bless you, brother. Have, have fun, then. Have fun. Good morning. So now you've got to put up with me. <laughs> so... Um, we don't do this very often, but I, I, my neighbor passed away this week, and Dorothy Gall uh, was in our Bible study as well. And I'd like you just to close your eyes for a moment and remember Dorothy Gall. Um, Dorothy was the, uh, from the Salvation Army uh, background, I believe. And I just picture her right now playing in heaven in the Salvation Army band. And I just want to remember her with a moment of silence. Uh, What a special dear woman, since we're talking about victory today. Thank you, Lord, for Dorothy. It's funny, you come with something written out and pre-planned, and uh, then I get to church here and I hear out the powers out at Elgin. Now, we've been trying to have this service for about 12 or 13 weeks, and we have a couple, Dorothy and Ralph Schultz, who go to Elgin, and I didn't know if they would make it today. And in the history of the church, I don't ever think I've said, thank God the power was out at Elgin. (laughs) But they are here, and uh, I think they were going to be here regardless. But it's kind of cool, because if there's a few other people from Elgin, they'll see a bit of the mission trip uh, through different eyes as well. Uh, Pastor Chad mentioned on Friday that we had communion today, and uh, prior to the presentation of what was experienced on a recent mission trip to Dominican Republic, the village of Guaymate. And on reflection, I found it quite fitting to have communion prior to this update, because as a body of believers, we celebrate God's grace uh, he shared upon us through his son Jesus, and this celebration allows us to be freely who we are, and to serve, and to serve in the opportunities we have here on this earth. And that means in this church, it means in this community and in this city, it means in this country of ours, and it also means in the world. So oftentimes we're inwardly focused, we're hurt, we're poor, we have pains, we have troubles. But we had it today, that's over. You are free. And because we have been set free, we open our eyes to the needs of others in this community and in this world. 
And uh, there are so many things that this world needs us to pay attention to. And so it is through a mission trip that we can experience the culture and the peoples of other countries. And that at times we can see that they are desperate for resources that we all have. Proper food and nutrition, education, justice and liberty, health care, clean water, clothing, and so many other things that we take for granted every day. A number of weeks ago, the Guimati mission trip took place over a span of 10 days. And during the five months leading up to the trip, the group participated in fundraising through a pancake breakfast. We had a spaghetti dinner. We had a wild game dinner. 92 men. 92 men. Beat that. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, over $5,000 as well was raised at that, that wild game dinner. So uh, church offerings, personal visits, personal fundraising initiatives. We had meetings. We prayed. We worshiped together. We gathered footwear and clothing, medical supplies, dried food from the gleaners in Cambridge. We had school supplies, sports equipment, toys. We even brought a piano and a guitar down. So at this time, I'm going to have the group come up, and then I'm going to do a couple short little stories and uh, talk about that. And then after that, we're going to have a video that you'll see. So uh, Pastor Chad and Melissa, Kim Shellhaas, Dorothy and Ralph Schultz, Gloria, Krista's here, Brian and Kathy, and Christine, I haven't seen. Is Christine here? Christine is missing, so. That makes 11, yeah, so. So you guys will just have to hang out here for two or three minutes, so. It's, um, last time I didn't introduce them, we just had them up at the front, but. So, in all, this group raised over $25,000. And through God's blessings and the blessings of so many people, um, we had ample funds for the trip and we have funds ready for the next trip next January as well. In addition to that, we have another $10,000 which was donated and is being used for the feeding program that we have operational in the Guaymati area and there's enough funds there until Christmas time for feeding some of the kids in some of the communities. So there's an airport story, or a couple stories, but two days prior to the trip, uh, a number of the group members were very sick. And I don't remember, I think half the church was sick at that time. And I had a text from Pastor Chad saying, what are the rules for airline cancellations and sick people? And how are cancellations handled? And I've got to admit it, I was pretty blunt with him, or with the bait of Satan, as we're studying in our Bible study. I said simply to the pastor that no matter how sick he and Melissa were, I would be dragging them to the airport and stuffing them in the plane. <laughs> you see, the sickness was only a diversion. It doesn't mean it wasn't real, but it was the devil's hoax. It was a call to quit. All right? And you know the rest of the story. Once all 11 of us were on the plane, the devil was left behind. He didn't have a ticket, so. <laughs> God's provision continued. We sat at the airport with this group of 11, and of the 11 people, we had 15 bags of 49.5 pounds of luggage, supplies, medical supplies, another seven bags of personal bags, a few worries about the cost of getting the luggage on the plane, 22 bags, 
And you know, one of God's helpers, he works for WestJet, is <laughs> one of God's angels. And he said, I am going to put all 1,089 pounds of everything you got on the plane for free. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. I need to tell you also that this group did an amazing job. Now, we were there, I think it was the third week of January, and I told them it was the best group that Kim and I had there this year. And they caught on right away. It was like, well... But they were exceptional, and in their work, their expressions of love and compassion to the people and the Haitians, in their participation, no whining or complaining, in their eating rice and beans every day, and some chicken, in their sleeping in their bunkies, and the women were loud next door, believe me, and in completing the final phases of the mission center. The place looked great. The fact is, they did such a good job that a couple of weeks ago I got a call from Guido, and I think you all remember Guido was here on Remembrance Day, uh, our Haitian friend. And Guido says, we have a problemo. I said, what's that? He says, well, the authorities are here, and they want money. I said, money? He says, yeah, after three years of working on this project with various groups, the authorities felt it was necessary to get special approval and pay fees to the tune of 28,000 pesos. Now, in my years of construction, we call that a building permit. We don't know what we call it there, but anyways, it's been taken care of, all is well, and the church there now has a piece of paper in hand that says legitimate. But, so we have a video prepared with pictures of the trip, a few pictures, and, uh, and a few of the group speaking, and we'd like to share this with you at this time. Uh, our group hasn't seen the presentation, so we have no idea what Carl has put together here, but... Um, we're going to enjoy that. And um, all the group has about a thousand pictures that Brian supplied to us, which were great. Um, in watching it, I'd like you to keep in mind a few relevant works uh, that happened in Grey Mate. That includes finishing most of the mission center, the painting, flooring, gardening, all kinds of things. Uh, the feeding program is up and running. The teaching of children the document processing for children for birth certificates and, and uh, finding out who they are. The sewing center is up and running. Uh, they have a dedicated sewing room with five sewing machines and lots of supplies. Uh, the carpentry shop is pretty much together and it's ready for some future training for a coffin making project that we have down there and a couple other things. And the entire facility was dedicated to Classes La Romana which is an area of 20 or 30 churches and for their use and for their stewardship. So it's, it never was ours, it's just we handed it back to them again, whatever was happening. So when the video is complete, uh, Pastor Chad is going to come up and say a few closing remarks and prayer. And I just want to thank you all from the bottom of our hearts, but also from the Dominican people and the Haitian people. And we know how tough it is down there. But thank you for blessing us with all your efforts.
I think one of the things I've learned from being in the Dominican and coming back is that we can get involved in our, in our own community. I think of Women's Shelter, the Emily Murphy Center, the House of Blessing Community Meals, the grocery store, our very own church. We're surrounded by people who have needs. And the thing about being a child of God is that God has blessed us so much. And we may think that we're not blessed, but you think about other uh, cultures or other places or other people groups, and we are very blessed and we have much to give. And so if we could be a church that blesses, if we could be parents that raise kids and inspire our kids to think about others and to think about how we can um, bless them and, and be people who are giving, um, it's going to change the world. Uh, my inspiration on that trip was I was very impressed with the community there, how they help each other and do things together. And um, that's inspired me to get involved more with my community, such as helping with community meals or going to the House of Blessing and helping out. And um, yeah, even babysitting in the church. I like to do the nursery. And also on Wednesdays, I come in and help. I think coming back from the trip, one of the things that has inspired me is to help men know what to strive for. In North America, we do strive to achieve in our workplaces and stuff, but I think to help men strive to be a man of God, a husband of God, and a father of God, and just to lead their house in a way that teaches the whole family that the number one priority in their life is Jesus Christ. And I think for me, that's actually really stirred up in me to help myself and other men to put number one priority, which is Jesus Christ, in my life. Uh, the people that I met in Guayamate um, have a heart of gold, that they are loving and giving and serving. Um, they are continuous worshipers day and night. They have so much to teach us. I'm thinking about a situation of um, one, of the, one of the ladies who I met there named Rita, and I think she will be mentioned a few times by others in the group. She had such a heart of gold, and what a worshiper she was. She gave um, her time, her energies, and her talents to the church, and we were so blessed by her. They were all amazing. Uh, ones that stick out in my mind is the lady who cooked our meals. She was just smiled and brought the food to us and laughed. Then there was a little, little girl that lived in the complex, and she would run around and be sassy. And Daisy, Daisy was so lovely. Um, she helped out at the convention center too. And then there was Adolfo and he and his friend uh, were watching us paint one day. And I was getting, you probably seen the picture of me all covered in paint. And he looked at me and he said, can I help? And I said, of course you can. <laughs> and so he did. The people in Guaymate and the Haitian people were so full of love um, for each other, um, but most importantly for God. They just talked about God all the time. They would just up and start singing. They would gather in the courtyard and just start worshiping. They, as soon as the doors of the church opened, they would be in there and they would just start their own worship service. And I think the passion that they had for God and the love um, and their worship that was so genuine, whether they had instruments or no instruments, whether they knew the song, whether they didn't, they were just giving praise to God constantly. And their passion and love for God really spoke volumes.
I loved the work that we did. I loved the painting. It was lots of fun. It was uh, neat to have the, the local people join in and want to paint with us. And the sewing classes that we did with the ladies were great. Even though we couldn't communicate, we could, by sign language, um, just give them some tips and instruction in sewing. And I enjoyed that a lot. When we arrived there, and I had my first look around, it was clear to me there was a lot of work to be done. And uh, the one job that caught my eye was uh, a second floor that didn't have a railing in the walkway. And uh, clearly a, a major problem if somebody would have fallen. So uh, that was one of the jobs we worked on and uh, didn't quite complete, but made it safe. And so, uh, and uh, by the time we were done, we had made a huge difference in the, in the area. We did a whole pile of work down there fixing up the mission center. But I think what stood out to me the most was when we finished the woodworking shop to watch some of the men come in as we put tools up on the wall, as we anchored the chop saw to the t uh, work table. And just as that room came into development, it was kind of neat to see their excitement to realize they have tools to work with that they can actually build things and fix things. And eventually what's going to happen is they're going to be able to build things in that workshop to turn around to sell so they can again provide for their family and for the mission center itself. Okay, while I was in the Dominican, we did a lot of, we did a sewing program for the, the women. And um, there was at some point where they were actually teaching anyways, me, how to sew. So I learned that from them as well as being taught. And um, I did learn a bit of the language as I was going, other than hola. So <laughs> that was good. And um, I really enjoyed the time that we had with the um, breakfast program with the kids that came in from the Bates. They, um, they were very eager and to learn. We colored with them and it was a very enjoyable time. On our missions trip, I think the most difficult thing for me to comprehend was the fact that these people in our minds had very little, like nothing, probably the, the worst poverty I've ever seen, and yet the most pure joy I have ever seen. And to understand, so from our comprehension, our understanding, these people are poor and have nothing. But I've never seen somebody with such joy. The smile on their faces, the excitement in their lives, um, their pure just happiness, no matter where we went, people were genuinely happy. And that was probably the hardest thing for me to understand is how they could have so much joy when in my opinion, they had nothing to be joyful about. Definitely the most difficult thing for me to see was how the people lived in the Bates, um, how their living quarters were just not at all what we'd be used to, no running water, no electricity, very, um, just very little for them there. It was difficult to comprehend and it kind of made me angry at times. So the most difficult thing to comprehend on this trip was um, going to the Bates and seeing how thankful people were for the little that we gave them or the little that they had and um, just coming back to Canada and just seeing, realizing that we have so much 
and we're still not thankful for how much we have. Um, and that was the most difficult thing I had to comprehend. One Sunday, we went out to visit a bate, and so we took a bus out. We had a suitcase for them, and God told the pastor that he needed to open it up in front of us. And so the, the bate all gathered together in a church. They put on a huge church service just for us, and then they all gathered at the front and opened the suitcase up. Well, he wanted us to help um, pass some of the stuff out. And I was traumatized. It broke my heart because I knew that we didn't have enough in that suitcase for everybody. And so we're, as we're handing stuff out, each child got one crayon out of the case of crayons. And the boys were saying, shoes, shoes, shoes. And I think we had just a couple pairs of shoes for the boys. And I left and I was just weeping because I knew that, that we didn't have enough for everybody and we couldn't fill all the needs. And so then that week, we went to a couple stores trying to find some shoes. And so we just bought a, just a whole pile of shoes and sent them back there. But I know that we'll never be able to meet all of the needs there. And that broke my heart. Yes, it has. It's just a little difficult for me to say exactly how, but um, just to see how they live as uh, with their families and just to that they cherish each other, they love each other, and I just want to to be stronger in that as well with my family and friends. Yeah, my view changed in the way that um, I view um, the kingdom of God, that uh, it doesn't matter what your social standing is or uh, what I noticed about the people there is their passion and their devotion to Christ and uh, doing things for Christ. And, and uh, they're the hand, definitely the hands and the feet of Christ. And, I, and it really boils down to that. That's what's important. And it just reprioritizes those things. My life in Canada, compared to the Dominican Republic, is a very rich life. Uh, not only financially, but also socially, and um, I don't know, just the all-round effect of it is that we are so privileged here. I have learned that we are beyond blessed, that we have far more that we could ever imagine here in Canada. and that this abundance needs to be shared. It needs to be shared with others locally, and it needs to be shared abroad. I think of Micah 6, verse 8, and to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our Lord. Now that I'm home, I remember how their living conditions are. Um, the pipes that we have hidden in our walls and the theirs just move. They're not attached to anything. Uh, their living conditions, I think, is the hardest thing for me to um, forget and for me to appreciate our society because we are so blessed. Listening to complaining. When we got off the plane and we went home, um, for the first couple of days, I just kept saying to my kids, I'm so sorry. I know that you don't understand this, but I just can't listen to complaining because those people have nothing and they were just thankful for everything that they had. And every time I hear somebody complain or I go to complain myself, all I think of is, wow, we have so much. 
because they have nothing and their value isn't in things. And so when I, when I hear complaining, that's probably the thing that grates me the most. Well, it's remembering the little children and uh, what does the future hold for them. And that's kind of the hardest part to think about. Well, what I learned from the church there and the people there was the passion that they have and just the all-out uh, worship and preaching. And uh, I really, for my part, I, I believe I sing louder and with more enthusiasm than I ever have and with more my just a deep devotion and honoring God. I look at the church as all different denominations, races, and walks of life worshiping as a whole. The Church Universal is a place where God meets his people. And, and it's, a, it's a mighty way that God meets his people because there are no agendas. There's just pure worship and pure praise. After staying in Guatemala and living with the people there, it was such an eye-opener to the way of life they have. I think what I took away from that was priorities. They have their priorities in check, I believe. They have God first. They had church every night, and people showed up every night to worship the Lord. They had family. They were such an importance in family and spending time with family. Their lifestyle is not as busy as ours here, and it really helped us as a family to realize we need to spend more time together and less time running around and just realizing what are the importance in life and what we have to have in our lives and what we can do without of and just following through on those things and not making mountains out of anthills. There's things in our lives that are not big deals, but we make them big deals and just setting up that priority in my life. We, we think we have great living conditions here in Canada. We have a wonderful God who loves and cares for us, but it just drove it home that they have the same God the same love, the same care that we have. And they love God and love to praise Him and rejoice in Him probably even more than we do sometimes. And I was just really impressed how, how that no matter where we are in this world, God is the same God. My biggest takeaway after this trip was that money does not equal happiness. Materialistic things does not equal happiness. Um, because... The, when we went there, they had so little or barely enough to get by. And all they did was lean on God, and God provides every single time. And I believe that's what made them happy, realizing and trusting in God and seeing God move in their lives. To remember the less fortunate and to always be ready to help the needy. And uh, it just kind of drives that home when you, when you see it firsthand. Uh, my biggest takeaway from the trip was the way the Haitian people worship. They truly worship from the heart. And not only just on Sundays, they worship every night of the week. They're so thankful and they just worship God and thank Him for everything and anything they have. I would say my biggest takeaway is how they are spontaneous worshipers. 
the one evening that we donated the piano and brought it to the youth, we brought it upstairs to a spot and had to plug it into only one outlet because we had no power other than the, the generator. So above the din of the generator, we started to play praise tunes and sing tunes that we knew together as churches. And it was so beautiful how, um, how they praised so spontaneously. And I think that would be something that I take away with me is to really just listen to that voice of God um, as, as you worship and to really be spontaneous, even in your private place as you worship, as well as at church. I think it's just their absolute devotion and passion to serve God and serve Christ and how that is the center of everything for them them, seems to be. And it just um, certainly was a lesson for me. And uh, it's just a, I always say, keep it simple, Saint. And it's, that's it. Just devotion and just all out passion for Christ. And that's what I've taken away from it. I think the thing that I notice the most is that sometimes when we go to um, on a missions trip, that we give them our leftovers. And after spending time with them, uh, they lived in a town that was right next to a city that is just like this one or just like Kitchener or London. Um, and oftentimes we give them our leftovers. We give them things that we don't even want. And I think um, realizing that we need to be people of blessing who bless others to show others that they are not less, that they are precious children of God and God wants to pour his blessing on them through us. And so when we go to the store to buy things for them um, that are brand new, you know, if there's things on sale, you know, package them up. And the next time we go on a missions trip, let's give these people um, the best that we have and not our leftovers. And so I think that's the thing I, I w- I've learned through my time there. I um, remember their smiles, their love, their acceptance of us. They didn't know us, and yet they sent their kids to us to play with us, to have hugs, to um, do our hair. It's just a simpler lifestyle, and I so appreciate it. So this was my first missions trip that I've ever been on. Um, and it was and is still life-changing. Um, I, think we, I think we have a couple photos of the Bates that we went to. And when we got off the bus there, I mentally prepared myself. Um, but I had no idea what to expect. And um, they don't have running water. They have outhouses, they have, most of the places I don't even think have any power. And the one thing that I couldn't do, and I was embarrassed, and I didn't know how to respond. But I couldn't stop crying. 
And I didn't want to cry in front of them because, like I said, they're so full of joy. They were so excited to show us things and to be with us. And they're running around and stuff that we wouldn't let our kids play in. And I remember as a team, somebody asked me, you know, Chad, I'm trying to figure out how our kids would, would live here. And I, my response was, I'm trying to figure out how I would. I think my life has changed so much to try to put it in words, it's hard. But I would encourage you, if you have the opportunity to go on a trip, missions trip somewhere, please don't go because you've never been, to, like, I've never been to the Dominican. And in my mind, when I talk to friends who have been to the Dominican, I'm like, well, I haven't been to the Dominican you're talking about. But it was interesting because we flew down. Uh, when we got on the plane, a gentleman was sitting beside us and I was talking to him and his wife was actually just sitting in front of him and we found out they got a great deal last minute flight and to stay at a resort at the Dominican. And so we're talking and so he said, like, where are you staying? And I'm like, well, I'm staying here. And I won't try to say the city because I butcher it every time. And so I'm like, we're staying here. And he's like, oh, where's that? What resort is that? I'm like, no, we're actually here on a missions trip. We're going to go and live and work with people. And, and so he immediately changed, obviously, his, uh, the conversation. And I thought it was interesting because when we went to get off the plane, he said, you will probably have a better experience here than me. And it was interesting because, like, we both know, like, he is going to eat different food than I'm going to eat. He's going to sleep in a different accommodations than I'm going to sleep in. And you know what? Honestly, the accommodations were great. Um, and it's amazing what you can adjust to and realize that, you know what? If, if my hot water tank goes, I can survive for a little while. I can still shower and clean myself and be presentable and be fine and shave with cold water. And you know what? It's amazing the stuff that we go, well, we can't do that. We don't have this or we don't have that. And it's like, no, you can survive. The coolest thing was is we went to board the plane on the way back. And we got in line to go through the security check to get on the plane. And who's standing beside me? The gentleman that flew down beside me. And so him and his wife and us, we talked and we showed pictures and our trip, I think, really impacted them. And I don't even know their names. I don't know where they're from. I don't know anything. As Melissa and I shared, it's hard for us. Like, I'm still wrestling. I talk with the board here all the time. I wrestle with dealing with situations. Because I understand we live in a first world country. And we have first world problems that we need to deal with. But as I said in the video, I'm really trying to keep our first world problems, first world problems, and realize what an anthill is, and remind myself that this is an anthill. And sometimes the enemy likes to distract us. And if I can share for just a moment, I'm trying to, I don't want to be long, but I probably will be, just being honest, just being honest. Sin entered this world 
because the enemy distracted us of what we, what we had. Do you realize that Adam and Eve, I can only imagine what the garden looked like. And I'm not even creative. So if you're creative, your imagination is beyond mine. And what you see as the Garden of Eden, like there's waterfalls. I honestly believe as he named the animals, I can't prove this biblically, but I think he could talk to them. Like he's cuddling with lions. Think of that mane, like that's an awesome pillow. He can eat anything he wants. Just don't eat this. Don't touch that. And the enemy comes in and he distracts us from everything we have to the one thing we don't. And what do we do with our lives? We run after the one thing. And can I tell you something? The moment you get it, the enemy's going to point out one more thing. And there's no fulfillment in it. But when you give a kid a crayon, one. One crayon. One. And you see the joy on their face and the excitement in their eyes. And they don't say, thank you, and turn around to their parents like, because they've been taught to say thank you for anything they get. They don't do that. They're genuinely excited. Would I be okay if I had just one pair of jeans to wear? Would I be okay if I only had one pair of shoes? Could you imagine, maybe you do, but could you imagine if you only had one TV? That you all had to decide what you were going to watch together because you only had one room. This is their lifestyle. And they are so joyful. I'll tell a story and then I'm done. As we were either on this trip or coming back from this trip or preparing for it, I don't even know who told me the story. It could have been somebody on the trip, and if it's you, I apologize for not giving you credit. I'm definitely not taking credit. But there was a missionary visiting from Africa, and she was being hosted by some people, and while she was here, they drove her around, and of course, they wanted to show her things. So they showed her Niagara Falls. They showed her some different things. They took her to some different places, and they got her to the airport on her final day here, and she was about to fly out, and they asked her, Aren't you sad to go back? She's like, no, why would I be sad? Well, you're going to miss all, aren't you going to miss all of this stuff? And her response was, no, not at all. You run so hard and strive and work so much for these things to try to prove who you are or try to get this level of life I'm going back to a place where we're just happy to live. We don't run after all these things. I leave that with you. I'm not trying to discourage you from what you have. God has blessed every one of us in this room. 
Can I tell you why he blessed you? Can I tell you how he blessed you? You live in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. That is a blessing. But he's blessed us. He's blessed us so that we can bless others. It's not that we can have more things. I say that and I want to say this. I'll close a few times. There's a ministry that operates out of our church or we're connected with, not operates out, but Ruth and Richard, and I'm not sure if they're here. I'm not, they've had a busy weekend. And so, simple dreams. They're out in the kitchen. Going to probably serve you some ice cream. Don't eat too much because then it's here in the office later. Uh, just being transparent and honest. Actually, eat as much as you want. It probably helps. Um, but you would be surprised as we talk about needs in other countries, the needs that are right here in Stratford as well. My heart is missions, missions abroad, but also missions outside your door. And so, please, when you have the opportunity to go, go, but not to experience another country, to serve and to give. If you can't, please, please, give till it hurts, because they are hurting more. And we are here to truly bless them. I think this will be the last one. We don't talk, you don't read too much in the Bible in the New Testament about giving. And people will always argue tithe and all that. Don't worry, I'm not going to get into it. I believe in tithing. And I can show you scriptures in the New Testament to support it. But I don't want to argue that. I want to tell you why you don't really hear about it. Because it talks about the church giving to one another. If somebody was in need, somebody would sell property, paraphrasing scripture, but sell their property to make sure that nobody was in need. So you're right. If you want to argue that there's not a 10% spot, sure. That's because they basically gave it all. And so if you don't want to give 10, give 20. It's fine. No one will argue. But give, not because Bethel needs it, but because people need it. And we will use it to bless people. Let's pray. Father, it is truly our heart's prayer that you break our heart for what breaks yours. Father, as I reflect on the Dominican trip, as I see pictures this morning, Lord God, I am reminded about how blessed I am. Father, help us to bless others. Help us to see the enemy's trap of racing around trying to get things that we don't need. Help us to see the Garden of Eden around us that you have blessed us with, Father God, and we don't need the one more thing because in it there is not joy. In you, is joy. Having a relationship with you brings joy. Father, help us to sacrifice the way you have sacrificed. And so, Lord, I pray for the friends and the people that we ministered to. Father, that they didn't see Canadians, they saw Jesus. And a Jesus that loves them 
And through that experience, Lord, we, we, we got to see your love shining through people in a way that I've never seen before. I saw the joy of salvation, the excitement of you. And so, Holy Spirit, help that joy of our salvation flow out of us here in Stratford. That we will draw other people to you because of the joy and the love in our lives. Help us to continue to bless others. Help them. Lord, help people in our community in need. Help our missionaries that we support and the missions that we support. Help them never to be in need because we give to them. Help us to give more. Father, as we go to celebrate Pastor Carlo and Maddie, we thank you for the food that has been prepared. We ask you to bless it in your name. Protect us today. Guide us and lead us. And Lord, let us be a light for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 